Hi, thanks for listening. I'm Tim Kubiak, and I'm the host of Bowties in Business. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bowties in Business and on Twitter at Bowties in B-I-Z. Today's episode is 10 things top-performing salespeople know is a waste of time. So if you like it, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a host of other services. You can find the full-length video as well as each of the 10 things cut into their own segments on YouTube. So like, share, tell your friends, leave us a review. Thanks. Hi, this is Tim Kubiak. We're going to talk a little bit about 10 things from our 30 things high-performing salespeople need and want, but will never tell you, Siri. So we're going to have a good time with it. It's going to be direct and to the point. We're not pulling any punches because, frankly, we're in a world where you can't pull any punches. So with that, just kind of jumping ahead, 10 things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of time. This is the crap companies load on sales guys and girls all the time. So we're just going to go right in. And the first one is endless pipeline reviews. So management feels good about the company number. Steve, in the last quarter, did you see a bunch of companies running extra reviews thinking they'd pull stuff out of nowhere? Well, I'll tell you, I had more, uh, more people talk about the infamous deep dive. So the deep dive into every opportunity and, and the challenge is that you're and we're talking about high-performing sales reps, the ones that continue to make their number in good times and not so good times. And boy, I'll tell you, it became an exercise of them just continuing to repeat where an opportunity was versus getting any coaching on how to do anything differently or a different approach. Yeah. And odds are, right, they didn't turn up any new diamonds. They wasted time on opportunities that were worthless instead of focusing in like a laser on the ones that really could have made the difference. Absolutely. Number two on 10 things high performing salespeople know is a waste of their time, right? And that's creating upside to make up for all the schmucks in your company that can't sell. We watch high performers go through this all the time where they're asked to bring in deals early, commit on natural acts to make sales because somebody else's business didn't come in. Steve, what advice do you have for high performers in this situation? Well, again, I think it's, you know, having that discussion with their leadership team to say they committed to a number, they're going to do everything they can to make it happen. They've been asked their entire career to bring in additional deals so that their manager can make a number. Uh, but I'll tell you, some of the counseling I give high performers is make sure that leader understands that their job is to get everyone contributing, not just the high performers to make up for the other uh, sellers that aren't bringing in any kind of revenue or gross margin. Yeah, and the thing I'll add to that is if they're asking you to bring in deals early and you're in a cap commission plan, make sure you're not anymore. Number three. Uh, things that salespeople know is a waste of time. Getting customers to webinars to keep marketing happy. Guys, for anybody who doesn't know it, here's how marketing works in most resellers and distribution companies within the technology field. They function off of co-op. So marketing makes a profit every time they run a webinar. They could give a crap if they're delivering valuable content that your customers are going to use that are going to help you to lead this sale. What they care about is getting people's butts in chairs, whether they do anything with it or not, to show that is their success metric, screw your sales, so they can keep selling webinars. So getting customers to webinars where the content is bad, 
I understand it's a political game, but it's not worth it. Save it for when it's really valuable for your customer. Steve, advice for you, from you on what you've seen vendors do that add value to the sales teams on webinars? Well, I'll tell you, number one, I've just seen some really creative, innovative uh, type things where the vendors themselves are inviting the reseller customers. So one is like a wine tasting event. So they'll actually ship some wine out. They'll have a wine sommelier where, you know, they'll run them through the, uh, the various wines and, you know, they get their, their product and solution, solution message there, but it's something different actually saw another vendor have a comedian uh, take on the last 30 minutes of a 40 or an hour and 15 minute webinar. So some of those are are great, but to your point early on, back to the company cannot just continue to go back to the same 20 accounts of which are owned by three of the top sales performers. Uh, There becomes webinar fatigue out there. And they're tired of being asked to continue to to market to their same customer base. Once again, go to leadership and lean on the other people that are responsible to drive new accounts, new market activity, and lean on them to get different people to attend webinars. Ten things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of their time. Number four, being asked to share wins because no one else is winning. This one can go a host of directions. It can be additional work and dog and pony shows at QBRs, whether internal or external, but it can also be being asked to bring other reps into your deal to help prop them up. Steve, how should a top performer handle being asked to share their wins? So top, my experience, top performers love sharing some of their more complex and competitive wins. Uh, but they also expect that if they're sharing that kind of information, that the rest of the team will take some of those best practices that they're sharing and implement them. So again, uh, the the biggest challenge is you continue to go back to, again, 20% of the team, which are your high performers, and every week, every month, every quarter, they're asked to talk about their marquee wins Yet, no, there's no take up on it on the other 80% of the team. So, uh, one of the things that, that uh, I continue to coach our high performers on is it's okay to say, no, I, I really don't want to share any more wins because it's not creating any kind of change in the sales organization itself. So, again, back to leadership. Leadership has to take those 80% and say, if we're going to take the time out of a top performer's day to share these, we're going to actually take the best practices and apply them to other customer opportunities. Ten things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of their time. Number five, inflated quotas to make sure that their manager hits their nut and keeps their gig. How often have we seen comp plans shifted and quotas inflated? So a Leadership team and a company can absolutely bank their number to the disadvantage of the high-performing and even the, the average-performing sales rep. Steve, what does that impact on the sales rep's commitment to the company and commitment to their brand and their lines? What happens when they, this, they get nailed with a number they just can't make? Well, again, right, I, I think my experience is 
when you sit down with high performers, they actually want to make more money than the company wants them to make, which means if they have a good comp plan, the company will actually make more money. But when it gets out of whack, when a top performer says, and let's just use round numbers, that they'll deliver a million dollars of gross margin, and then their management team comes back and says, I need you to do 1.5 million. And the reason they want you to do 1.5 isn't because they want you to make more money and be more successful is what they want is that $500,000 that they're not going to get from the other part of the team. That absolutely is a demotivator for high performing reps. We've all been asked to do that in our career. Uh, what we're seeing is it's being asked a lot more, again, given the, the selling situations that we're in today. And my experience as high performers are absolutely uh, uh, not excited about the fact that they're being asked to do more to make up again for the team that's not delivering to a bare minimum. Ten things high performing salespeople know is a waste of their time. Number six. The CFO thinking you're making too much money. Steve, how often do you see finance organizations trying to chisel salespeople's earnings? Well, again, I think um, fortunately the, the client base we're calling on, we address this very quickly. Again, the comp plan that we work with our clients and then help the sales organization not only understand it, but, and this isn't a bad term, exploit it. And but what we have seen is where that uh, finance organization starts seeing again, these high six figure, even low seven figure com uh, commission statements and saying, boy, we're paying too much money. My experience is that the CEO and or that VP of sales has to be the person to go fight. The high performers in every organization should be some of the top paid people in any organization. Whether it's a technology organization, a manufacturing organization, it doesn't matter. They should be some of the highest paid people. And a real demotivator for those folks is when they've earned it. And it's against the comp plan that's been given them. And then it's talked about either behind the, the scenes or even front of the scenes. Uh, that is something, the biggest risk where companies actually lose high performers is when there's a belief in the company that they're making too much money. Yeah, I love when I love when the CFO pulls out while well, it was a bluebird, right? Because they're not pulling they're not pulling any of that out when the quarters are tough. But when yep. a big deal comes in, right, and somebody makes something happen fast because they got a competitive advantage because there was an impending event, they want to play the bluebird and oh, you shouldn't get full comp on that. And I've watched top reps walk from companies over that as well. They should. Ten things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of their time. Products and services that have no market demand. Now, Steve and I work a lot with technology companies, and we understand that sometimes people are ahead of the market or on the front edge of the market, and demand isn't there yet. So we're not actually talking about technology shifts, business shifts and things that are going to happen. And by the way, the first to market doesn't always win. Often it's the second or third to market. And the old analogy is Betamax versus VHS. For those of you that are old enough to remember, those were types of videotapes. And for those of you that aren't and stream everything, Google it, that'll show you what the difference is. But that said, so often we watch great companies 
roll out products or services that their customers aren't asking for. They're not listening to what the customers want. And then they go put the onus on their high-performing salespeople to try and get them to drive that demand and create that demand rather than understanding what customers need and doing fulfillment of that demand or innovation on that need. Steve, advice for anyone ask to push a product that frankly, there's just no end user asking for today? Yeah, I think this goes to uh, one of the, the things that uh, high performing salespeople want, and that is what is the appetite in their customer base for additional products and solution sets? And they'll very quickly and rightfully so push back. They'll know their clients well enough to say, hey, I don't believe right now this is the right time to introduce this type of technology or solution. I don't believe this is the right person or the right function to drive it to. And you, you, know, you know our approach, Tim. I mean, one of the things that uh, we drive every day is that does what it is we're bringing to a client help them make money or help them save money? And high-performing sales reps can articulate that very quickly. And if it isn't, uh, my suggestion and what we continue to coach our clients on is that they will not introduce it to those accounts. Um, unless there is a learning curve, and that often is what the, the case is, where if you map a new solution to an account and talk about how it could help that account make or save money, then that high-performing rep will be all over it. If you just say, you've got to build that bridge and figure it out yourself, they're going to continue to sell the things that continue to make or save their clients money. Ten things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of their time. Updating CRM is a checkbox exercise. A lot of what we teach, a lot of what we coach to is about accentuating CRM as a tool and making it more effective for you with a sales opportunity management. But simply putting contacts in a CRM system, simply updating dates or having touch points when there isn't an impending event or something is a few days or weeks or months out doesn't help anybody. If you're a top performing salespeople person, you're going to have your eye on the deals that matter. You're going to be working those deals. Yes, they should progress through the CRM system, however your company's designed it, but simply updating them and retouching them, especially when you're talking about dozens, if not hundreds of deals in some cases, is simply a waste of time for a high performer. Steve, any thoughts on this? High performers know how to use CRM. And if they don't, uh, some of the things that we help them with is how to use CRM to their advantage. I mean, it's a massive platform that can enable success but when it's asked to be updated and then nobody looks at it if it was updated, or if they look at it and they, they run a report at the executive level and it doesn't have exactly what they want, uh, then it's that screen share in today's world where a high performer is literally regurgitating everything that's in CRM, but now having to put it into a format. Uh, one of the things that we work with, obviously, is the administrators themselves to build the CRM so it adds value to those top performers. And, you know, there's not a top performer out there that won't use a CRM that'll help them benefit, help them be benefit them and help them sell more. But they certainly don't want to do it two, three, four times a week so that management's happy 
but it didn't help them move any deal further along the sales cycle. Ten things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of their time. Number nine, adding customer contacts to marketing's mailing list. I know, I love the bash marketing. My favorite thing to do is sit down with the CMO and ask them to tag their efforts to sales opportunities and business they've driven. And they hate it because it's not a feel-good metric. It's not a tick box of who showed up or how many they have or what their open rate is or what their click-through rate is. It ties it to real revenue. And while a database of your customer contacts is important for you to have as a high-performing sales professional, and it's important for your company to have to be able to market to, simply adding names to a list does nothing for you. Steve, can you think of a single example of where adding a name to a list so marketing could mail something out actually drove a sale? No matter of fact, I've seen the inverse that by again, asking top performers to add names to the database so that we can go market to them. He incentivizes that rep to put anything in CRM. Uh, so the exact opposite occurs. Uh, again, you need to challenge your organization and, and you need to change and treat your sale, high-performing sales professionals differently than you treat the majority of your sales team and therefore that majority of the sales team that is their job to add names so that we can market to them but it's not go add names in a high performing sales reps account so that marketing can check off a box last but not least 10 things high performing salespeople know is a waste of their time number 10 being treated like all the other salespeople instead of the snipers they are. Look, odds are your top performer or your top performing salespeople as a sales leader are driving 80% of the revenue, 80% of the profit, and are probably 20% of your selling staff. So you can't treat them like it's all the same. This isn't kindergarten. This is a profession. So treat the professionals like professionals and babysit the kids and get the people that aren't doing the job the hell out of the organization and find your next level of top performers. Steve, thoughts on things you can do to support a high-performing salesperson and separate them further from the pack? I think it's number one. You know, we all believe, and we know this, selling is a team sport. Um, one hand. On the other hand, there's a reason that we all have sales rankings and that there's president's club and that there's high performing clubs and that there's commission plans. So not all sales reps are created equal and that's based on results. So again, I think the, the idea is you don't wanna treat, I mean, if you look at any professional sports team, they have their stars and then they have the, the team that you can't just win with stars, but you also can't win with just mediocre team. You've got to have a blend of both and recognizing that in the sales world uh, is critically important. And I think we've talked about it in, in this conversation. The, the way that you treat a high performing sales rep is by making sure other people start carrying their weight. And oh, by the way, once other people start carrying their weight, you're going to see that high-performing sales rep even pick up their game more because they want to always continue to keep the distance between their results and the rest of the team. And failing to do that, to use a football analogy, is like taking an all-pro wide receiver and trying to make them your nose guard, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> it just doesn't fit. They're not fit for purpose. <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed this. We've broken it up into 10 different videos. We have it all running as one master video. But one of the things we want to talk about just for a few seconds is some things you can do, whether you're a sales leader or a high-performing salesperson or someone who aspires to be. First of all, go to timkubiak.com. I've got a host of free resources on there. Sign up for the weekly newsletter. It's called the Weekly Sales Leader. Imagine that. It's a competitive world, guys. Sorry, not politically correct. Sales is, as Steve says, a contact sport. The other thing we'd like to do is have Steve share a few minutes with you about the value of high-performance sales coaching and what we do with top performers. Am I supposed to go? Yeah, I was just say, so it, 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 you know, we could add it out, but I was thinking this would be the place to use Tiger Woods story, right, or any of your athlete stories about investing in themselves. Ah, Okay. Um, okay, so we can uh, say, let's say, Tim, think about it. And, you know, whether you're a golf fan or not, the one thing that has occurred in our lifetime is to watch uh, a person take over the golf game, a guy named Tiger Woods. Here's a stat. Tiger Woods spends more money on coaching, and coaching being from a physical standpoint for uh, all of the strength coaching. He's got swing coaches. He's got putting coaches. He's got mind coaches that get his mindset right. He's got an on-field coach called a caddy, and he's got myriads of other coaches. And I actually read a, a statistic where Tiger Woods spent more money on coaching than some of the PGA professionals won in their entire career. So why would the best person at their sport take on so much coaching? It's because they're never satisfied. They want to do more. They want to get better. They want to achieve things that no one ever thought they could achieve to include themselves. My experience, the same thing is true with high professional and high performing sales reps. And that is if they've always been at 120% of their number, they want to get to 150%. What we see in the marketplace is the investment in continuing to help develop and coach those high performers is, is non-existent in the marketplace. All of those dollars, and there's not a lot, lot of dollars spent on training, development, or coaching at all, but it's always spent on helping C players become B players, B players become A players. What we've seen is if you double down and invest in your best they'll generate 20 to 30% more. And anyone can run the math on that. If you get 20 to 30% more from your top performers, that far outweighs getting 50, 60, 70% more from a C player. So again, high performance coaching, if you take it from a Tiger Woods perspective and you think of all the amount of time, effort, and money he spent to get the return to win 82 PGA events, to win all of the majors, come back from four back surgeries, three knee surgeries, and to get to the top of the, top of the game and win the Masters last year. The same appetite I see in high-performing sales reps. They want to be coached. They want to be helped. They want to be challenged because they want to take their game to a new record level. Thanks again for listening to Bowties in Business. As I said, please subscribe, leave us a review. We're an Apple podcast. 
Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a host of other services as a quick review, 10 things high-performing salespeople know is a waste of their time, endless pipeline reviews, committing unnatural acts for upside, getting your customer base to attend webinars that isn't a benefit to them, being asked to share wins because no one else is winning, increase quota to make sure your manager hits their number and keeps their gig, the CFO thinking you're making too much money, products and services that get dreamed up but have no market share, updating CRM as a checkbox exercise, adding customers to marketing's mailing list, and I'm telling you there's a lot of CMOs that are my friends that are gonna hate me after this one, they'll get over it, and being treated like all the other salespeople when you're a high-performing sniper. If you're interested in what high-performing sales coaching can do for you, Come to timkubiak.com. There's a chance to book a session with us to have the conversation. No charge, no obligation. Look forward to talking to you.